Hello everyone, is your host Alex Carrillo. Welcome to Fork It Up. Fork It Up is a podcast that aims to educate listeners on everything and anything relating to food. From personal food stories to sustainable farming practices, you name it, we cover it all. This podcast is presented on behalf of Arizona State University's Pitchfork Pantry, a free food resource available to the ASU community. To learn more about the pantry, please visit their Instagram or Facebook page at ASU Pitchfork Pantry. Hello, everyone. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Josue, and he is majoring in mass communications. How are you, Josue? I am doing brilliant. How about yourself? Pretty good. It's a nice Saturday morning. Oh, I would definitely agree. Like, I'm from Arizona, so, and I'm in Arizona right now. So, the weather's kind of weird here. You know, it's more warm in December than it is in January, but that's how it is. (laughs) That's how it always goes down there. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of miss it because right now I'm in Chicago and we just had like a snowstorm a few days ago. So I'm like, oh, you know what? I kind of do miss Arizona for a bit. <laughs> really? We had like a quarter, not even a quarter, a 16th inch, if that, like in the East Valley. So that everyone like freaks out for rain here. So you can imagine their excitement with some snow. So it was funny to see. That's for sure. Is there some food that you like to eat when it's like cold? I think I would say I'm a little weird on that because I like cold foods during cold seasons. And then I like warm foods during warm seasons like during the winter I'll crave ice cream or frozen yogurt or something along those lines or like a cold smoothie and then in the summer you like you can catch me at Dutch Bros ordering some hot chocolate with some mac in it so that's how I usually do it yeah it's so funny because I know so many people that order like an iced coffee year round they don't care if it's like below zero or anything they're like no I need my iced coffee and I'm like all righty then yeah I think I would fit in that category so I'm me doing me I guess (laughs) yeah yeah and you know what that's all that matters in life when you just know what makes you happy but I know last time that we spoke you said that you were a huge foodie and we kind of started talking a little bit about how when you traveled you discovered a new sense of appreciation for food you would say Yes, definitely. So I've been to around like I've explored 10 countries, I would say. And I love food. I mean, I would go ahead and say who doesn't right? in each of these places. I've always seen food as an art. I don't know, that sounds kind of corny, right? But when it's different cultures, and even within different states, right, you get the same dish served in different types of interpretations. So for me, my foodie label, I guess, would be most appropriate for seeing food as not just art, but rather a personal expression of what people are trying to, to convey to their consumers, to their family, to their friends or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. What you eat does say, you know, they do say that you are what you eat. And I do agree with that statement. Do you? I agree to an extent. So funny thing, like I was at work the other day and I was talking to one of my coworkers and uh, like I mentioned before, I've eaten I've eaten like McDonald's just because I feel like it, like I crave that as, you know, in between quotations, as trashy as that might sound. And I've also eaten on the offbeat roads in Italy, on the Italian countryside, some of the most authentic food you'll ever eat. And I'm of the people that says that, you know, it doesn't matter what you eat or what you eat doesn't say as much about you as people might want it to seem. I asked one of my coworkers, what do you like to eat? And he straight up said, oh, don't even ask me. I eat straight trash. 
And as someone who's eaten from the whole spectrum, I, you know, kind of took his side and said, no, 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 like what kind of trash in your interpretation do you like to eat? And he said, you know, just a bunch of fast food places. And I was like, hey, man, like, honestly, my regular eating looks more like yours, even though I've been to these places and eaten. Overall, yes, you think it's overgeneralized, but there are obviously exceptions to that statement of, yeah, sometimes you just want to eat something that is trashy then do it like that's totally fine it also shows that like you mentioned something very interesting of yeah I mean I've been to like these most incredible places on earth but I've also had a meal at McDonald's that I probably enjoyed just as much exactly yes okay that was a lot better summarized I would say than I painted it right now and the funny thing about the co-worker I work with is that he has also been to like five different countries he's also had pretty good food he's lived in these countries and you know what sometimes you just you just want a burger from mcdonald's or sometimes you just want french fries from i don't know no not in and out i don't like the french fries that much but you know what I mean? <laughs> Me neither. Like, yeah so sometimes that's just what you want and i don't think that that per, that part of you should define you know what kind of in a general sense you are what you eat but yes i agree to an extent with that statement have you tried McDonald's in other countries? Like I loved McDonald's at uh, when I visited France and in Italy, something about their fries tasted completely different to me. I have no idea what it was, but it was like magic. All right. So for anyone listening who doesn't know, McDonald's serves different menus in different countries. And funnily enough, they'll have their own twist on it. For example, in France, I had it was like a baguette bun with the regular beef and cheese in the meal, but it tasted so different, even if you would expect it to taste the same. And in Italy, as you're saying, they actually have hot wings. They serve wings in McDonald's in Italy. And those are some of the best cheap wings I've ever had in my life. So yes, I have had McDonald's in different countries. I've actually made it a point to go and have some of the chain food restaurant Mm -hmm. foods in different countries, just because I know they prepare them differently. So I wanted yeah. to, you know, get that different taste. So yeah, I've had McDonald's differently in Ireland and England and France and Italy and Germany, all those places in Switzerland. Yeah, you can never go wrong. It's actually kind of fun. I don't know if it's an American thing, though. Do you think so? Because I think it's kind of fun, like always comparing it back to like home. And it's I kind of fi- find it a little bit ironic that McDonald's started here. Yet I think we have one of the worst menus. <laughs> yes interestingly enough no yeah i agree with that everywhere else it seems so creative but i guess i mean they do their market research right they they have their menu they do for a reason and occasionally that includes putting the mcrib up now and then but yeah yeah, i mean it just kind of depends on where you are i guess it's funny because i while i was studying abroad i actually lived near a burger king and I always said like, no, I need to make it my mission to eat locally. And I would always go for that. But in times when I would feel like homesick and I'm like, you know what? I just need something like to hit the spot right now. Like I miss home. I'm just going to go to Burger King. It was the best thing ever. And nothing compares to that little Burger King in France. So like I would always get their kids menu because it was so cheap and you would get like (laughs) a cheeseburger, fries, a yogurt and a drink and like a cookie for like under eight euros or something. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like, this is a steal. Their prices also, that's another thing I wanted to talk to you about. Don't you think the prices for a good quality meal 
are cheaper abroad than here? Yes, a good quality, I would say, oh, definitely. Yeah, you studied abroad in France, right? I was kind of thinking about, yeah, yeah, all the different places I'd been to. And a good quality meal, like prepared, it seems handmade because a lot of the places you eat in France, as you would know, they're not like chains, right? No. There are a lot of, you know, mom and pop type places. Yeah, local places. Mm -hmm. And for about what would be equivalent to maybe $15 here, I would say, $16, you're getting like fresh roasted duck or something like really cuisine sounding. And here you're getting a combo for like $11 now, (laughs) which seems expensive. You know, your burgers, fries and Coke that really cost 20 cents to make. But yes, I would agree with that statement. Now, when you're talking luxury foods, I would say it is a lot more expensive in Europe. The, oh no yeah no but I mean like I remember because they always have those like lunch specials you know you get your appetizer your entree and like maybe a small dessert and it would be like 15 euro and I thought that was crazy that was such a huge like culture shock for me because like whenever I wanted to have an appetizer an entree and a, let's say even a dessert I feel like it would be way more expensive even if you were going to like Fridays or something uh-huh. Um, and I was talking, I actually took a class uh, while I was abroad about food and like the, the, the Lyonnaise cuisine. The professor was saying, yeah, like the French have this appreciation in which we want everyone to enjoy a good meal. And I thought that was so, it's such a basic statement, but that really touched me because I, I do believe it. Like every time that I would have a meal at someone else's house, like home, it would be the best meal I've ever had like they really pour their heart and souls into what they give you yeah I agree with that completely because the first time I ever ate in France I had this I had no idea what I ordered like I can communicate basically in French and Portuguese and then fluently in English and Spanish but the first time I'd gone there you know it's the first time you really I was really using French in a professional local everyday setting and I think I ordered this lamb cream something like that I have no idea Mm -hmm. what it was with some mushroom And to that day, up to that point in my life, it had been the best meal I'd ever had. And this is me walking in as a skeptic to France, right? They're like, oh, they think they're so good with their food and they're so hot shot. And uh, freaking Remy, or yeah, Remy the mouse and Ratatouille making it look like heaven every time he cuts. I was like, it's not like that. No, like going in, I wasn't biased in favor of France. Going in and having something I had never even heard of before, they really lived up to that standard, as you said, of, you know, making sure every person that walks in has a great meal. And yeah, that opened my eyes up to French French cuisine. <laughs> That's for sure. Do you think it's funny that there's like a battle of who has the best cuisine between the Italians and the French? I would say it's going to be everlasting. And right? I don't think everyone's ever going to concede, which they shouldn't, right? That's a good thing for everyone else yes. in the world. Yes. They could keep trying to prove each other wrong because that mm-hmm. just ends up in amazing food and as I mentioned before, I like, I absolutely love food. I think it's an art and it doesn't matter if there's a m- Italian mother here in the States cooking it from her own home or back in Italy, you can taste that passion that they put into making those homemade yeah. meals. Yeah. And you said something last time saying that the most beautiful thing, like food is such an art that even like butter on toast can be such a magical thing if done right. And I thought that was so amazing because I agree, like, sometimes just having the smallest thing can really like change your perspective. Like, oh my God, that was for some reason the best like toast and butter I've ever had in my life. And that just made me feel a lot better. I'm going to have a great day today kind of thing. Yeah. 
So I would like to go ahead and contrast two moments, two experiences I had regarding that, because I remember one time we, my friend and I landed in Switzerland or in France, but we stayed by the border of Switzerland. And to get to Switzerland, we would just walk like 10 minutes every day. Mm-hmm. But it was interesting because near there, there was a little bakery and it was a little French bakery, just as I mentioned, right on the border of France and Switzerland. And I didn't think much of it. I'd never heard of it. We walked there for breakfast and they had just pastries, maybe like coffee and a little bit of orange juice. Those were all their options. Yet there were a lot of people there. So I was like, I mean, it's bread. You know, how great can it be? And I ordered like two croissants and a bit into them. And to this day, I have hauntingly beautiful dreams about those croissants because I didn't know how something so simple could, I can't describe it. It was, it had nothing on it. It was just a buttery croissant. Like I had mentioned before, like, so it had butter baked into it, right? Or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it was still one of the most amazing things to this day that I've ever tasted in my life. And now I want to contrast that to when I I lived in Mexico for two years as part of a service mission trip that I did. Mm -hmm. I remember on one one of those occasions, I ate at this one old lady's house and her husband had just passed away. So it was like, not necessarily a somber mood, but, you know, we tried to keep her interactions considerate of what she was doing. And she had invited us to eat. And I remember she baked an egg, like a little spoonful of beans and a tortilla. And this was before I had that French croissant. But up to that point in my life, I had better food than that, like hands down. But the intention and the sincerity with which she made that food was like, I don't know. I've yet to have a food that emotionally connected to something. It meant so much that someone in her position, she had just lost her husband. She had two kids. She had worked. Yeah, she had invited us and with the little resources she had. She made what she could. And it was amazing. Like, it was amazing. I don't know if it was a conversation. I wasn't even that hungry. It was just she invited Mm -hmm. us. I wasn't that hungry, but it was an amazing meal. And there was so much emotion on her part. She wasn't crying or anything. It was just like, you know, here, I made this for you. And just that simple thought puts that meal on par with like Gordon Ramsay's restaurant that I've gone in, you know, so as I mentioned, I think food is an art. And that's what I mean when I say that Uh, the way someone cooks for you or prepares your meal, like the intentions they have behind it makes a huge difference in how you experience the meal. Yeah. And you know what? You just like sparked so many thoughts in my head right now. Like it's really, it, it truly is art because sometimes when you look at a painting or something, it makes you feel a certain way and you see the brush strokes and you see like, oh yeah, they use this kind of a thicker brush mm-hmm. to create this texture or, oh, they used um, a lot of white tone or lighter tones to express this feeling and I think with cooking there's also this sense of like humility because sometimes I think there's this perception that great food has to be fancy food has to be you know you have to pay you know hundreds of dollars to to have like a great gourmet meal and sometimes these most beautiful moments in somebody's kitchen feel like oh my god they're priceless and that then sparked a memory um I actually volunteered at this elderly person place who had lost her husband as well and she was just trying to start her life again and she um was from thailand and every time we would go to her garden and like just start little things and like pick out weeds or whatever she would always make us like a bowl of rice or like um like a cool little dessert that we didn't know the name of but like she would like oh yeah i used to eat this when i was little all the time and 
after like helping her out with her garden it just felt so magical to like I don't know receive such a special thing that like showed not only that she was appreciative but you know that she wanted to express her culture with us as well and that is, I think it's a big part and it just comes to show that like food truly is art as much as we say that it's cheesy I know I love how you say that as much as we say that it's cheesy because I feel like that phrase is overused and I agree it's overused, but I also think it's amazing that everyone can have their interpretation of food is art. If mm-hmm. you ask, I don't know, I don't know Gordon Ramsay, I'm just going to use him as an example, right? I've just seen a couple <laughs> of his shows and how intense he is with food. But if you ask him what, you know, what art in food is to him, he'll probably pull out some of his menu items, which are amazing and they look amazing and I've eaten at his place and they're all amazing, right? But that doesn't mean it's the same definition food is art for, let's say, that lady that was in you know, I ate in her kitchen in her little room. And I don't think she even called it art. She just called it food. But in that sense, Mm -hmm. in that moment, I interpreted it as an artistic moment. So that was the the beautiful part around it in a sense. Yeah, it's what you perceive of it as well, which is important, I think. Um, I oftentimes when I watch like Top Chef or like Chopped, the best dishes normally like are ignited by a memory of like oh when I was younger my mom used to make this for me or I remember um that my dad used to cook state the certain way do you feel that like the best memories come from uh these beautiful feelings that we carry inside and the memories that we express through the food that we cook there is where I think a lot of our culture personal culture comes into play because a lot of beautiful moments will be made from things we remember. And then a lot of beautiful moments are made during foods we've never tried before. And I think people who have studied abroad or eaten in different countries can relate to that, right? So like I am by race, you know, Hispanic, Mexican, whatever you want to call it these days. And I grew up eating rice and beans with mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> Me too, I'm the same way. But yeah. that's what the, on the side. Home. Yeah, there we go. You can never <laughs> fail to have those on the side. I even made no. jokes about that. You know, Mexicans will eat tortillas with beans, with meat, with cereal, with, you know, whatever. <laughs> Everything but, and anything. <laughs> yeah, literally and anything. So I grew up eating that type of food in my home, but I grew up in the States. So mm-hmm. as many people, I feel, you know, in Hispanic culture might have it. Yeah, sometimes you just prefer McDonald's over beans and rice. Then your mom would say, no, we have beans and rice at home. Like we have food at home. And it was always just the same thing. Yeah. But you identify a lot with what you have around you growing up. So I grew up here in Arizona. So a lot of the places here, a lot of honestly mainstream U.S. What's it called? U.S. restaurant, chain restaurants are what I identified with growing up regarding the food. And a lot of people might say, well, that's kind of a trashy way. If you already had, you know, Mexican cuisine. But mm-hmm. when you grow accustomed to a certain thing and you go somewhere else, you mentioned it. You long for that thing even when you're in another country. I remember yeah. in Europe, often I did a lot of my travels alone. So mm-hmm. the only place that would let you walk in without judgment and use their Wi-Fi was Starbucks. And I love that because when I got to Spain, I was lost. I went inside of Starbucks. I charged my phone, got a hot chocolate and a pastry, and then got some energy. When I was in Ireland, the same thing. It was raining. I was alone, you know, kind of walked into a Starbucks. It didn't matter what time of the day it was. There was just no judgment. You could do that. Whereas in other places, maybe you you can't. And it's funny because those are some of the most intimate alone memories I have of traveling. 
and they didn't happen in some fancy cuisine place. It didn't happen where I didn't know the backstory of some Irish lady. Yeah. Although those have their beautiful moments in themselves, right? But mm-hmm. they happened where I could find comfort in something so mainstream being somewhere foreign. So yeah, I, I'm going to go with both sides of the coin in that. You know, sometimes beautiful memories are memories you have because I, you know, I saw my grandma making, I love my grandma's white rice and I've had it since I was four. And to this day, I love it. So that fits into the, you know, always grew up with that culture. And then at the same mm-hmm. time, it's the mainstream culture where you kind of find comfort being in different countries, being alone. So yeah, I agree. And you're not alone because I remember, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. I, I think the only Go person ahead, I've ever told this story to is my mother. Okay. okay. So the first day that I land in France, I was completely lost. I was like, I mean, I was like a lost dog. I'm like, I have no idea where to go. This was my very first time like traveling um, like internationally. So like, I'm always like very adventurous, but I mean, I was low key scared. So I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to follow the instructions that were given to me so I can reach my Airbnb. But I just like, my brain was just like not clicking. I'm like, okay, wait, it's just to make a left here, but I don't see what they just, that building they were, they're referring to, what's going on. And then it started pouring. And do you know that like scene in like Emperor's New Groove or something where the, the llama is like crying in the rain? I don't know. Yeah, it, that was well, literally. I just pictured me. it as you said it. <laughs> yeah, the llama is like crying. It's like pouring rain. It's like, well, it was daytime, but it was so cloudy that it felt like it was like nighttime. And I was like, oh my God, I'm screwed. And then from the corner of my eye, I see a cafe and I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go to this cafe. And at that time, tr- I have no idea why. I never felt so happy to just see a table and just order a cup of coffee and like get myself together. And Mm -hmm. that just comes to show that like in the tiniest things, I mean, mind you, this was not a Starbucks, but yeah, like there's always these sense of like comfort that can come along with just being on a table and like drinking something or eating something and just being re-energized. Cause you said that word like, okay, I was re-energized to go back and then like Mm -hmm. face my adventures. And I think that's amazing because it comes to show that food is like fuel emotionally and like physically as well. Yeah. And so far, let me just share that. I've loved this conversation just because all we've talked about is food and it didn't center necessarily around just how it tastes how Mm -hmm. maybe other podcasts or whatever I might share right or oh you know go to France and try it no it's I think this conversation has flowed very smoothly and how food can affect us culturally how can it uh, how it can affect us personally how it re-energizes how we can find home in a different country through food that we didn't even grow up with so so far I've just loved yeah how this whole conversation about food has been just so all over the spectrum yet focused around food in itself and how it can affect us I didn't even think about that well I'm so glad you're enjoying this conversation by the way hopefully I'm sure our listeners are are enjoying it just as much as well but hopefully. it's funny that you mentioned that we really haven't talked about taste I mean we've said wow that was really good uh-huh. but we really haven't focused on it was so good because it was made this way or it was seasoned yeah. this way or these were uh-huh. the ingredients that were used no we we said wow, these tasted really good. And I remember that feeling that I had while eating that meal. And I think that is amazing. That is actually one of my secretly, one of the points that I want to convey to the listeners of like, 
food is so much more than you might imagine, right? Because there's Mm -hmm. so many people who unfortunately don't have these experiences of studying abroad yet. Yes. I'm sure that the meals that they have at their home, they value them and they appreciate them and it makes them feel just as good. And that is important to like recognize. Yeah, that's a really good point to hit upon because I feel like a lot of people feel like they miss out on learning about culture just because they haven't been there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if there should be more people doing this, but there are a lot of really good, depending on where you live, right? I mean, if you live in a more mm-hmm. metro area, it might apply to you more. If you live in a more rural area, then I don't know. We'll figure that one out. That's a problem to figure out in a minute. But for example, in Arizona, I've found an Italian, a French, and an English place that taste pretty darn close to authentic French, Italian, and English food. But I mean, if you tell anyone around here, they don't want to hear that, right? They want to go experience it. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, no, like here you can get really dang close at something that tastes completely authentic. And yeah, the experience does have to do with it, but that's just like a heads up to anyone listening that you don't have to be at the places where the food is served to taste the same quality. And if I'm sharing that right now, then I have to follow it up with that just kind of reinforces our point of saying sometimes food is more about your experience with it, your memories with it than the actual taste in itself. But for anyone listening, you can find the same, almost the same quality food. You just got to, I don't know, I guess more reviewers have to hop in and post it more, make it more known that there are really good, authentic tasting places, probably in the metro places that you live in. Can you name some of the places for our listeners that are, you know, they want to start their journey of trying different cuisines? Because I know I actually have met a lot of people who who do want to try different cuisines, but they don't know where to start or they don't know like, oh, well, I haven't heard any good places for French food. So I guess I'll never try it out. Yes, for students in the Phoenix Valley here at ASU, for French food, I recommend the, it's called the Merci Café, Mercy Café, mm-hmm. Merci Café, and the owner there is actually from Paris, and he cooks super awesome, like, uh, if I were to compare it on a scale from zero to ten, being ten most authentic, I'd give it like an 8.7, it's really good, like, I was searching for the longest time for a place that closely resemble French food. Their menu isn't large, but if you want an authentic taste, I recommend that for French food. For English food, I think it's called a Cornish pasty. Oh yeah, so good. Yeah, that tastes pretty, I don't know if you've been to England, but that was pretty dang close to what I expected. The only thing, well, I was gonna say the only thing I had in London was an English breakfast, but that's a lie, I had some pastries. But anyway. I was not a big fan of the English breakfast. It made my like stomach hurt. And I was like, no, this is such a bummer. Like maybe I didn't try a good place out. So I'm, I'm willing to like give it another go, but you can't go wrong with a, a pasty at all, especially their yeah. Cuban one at Cornish um, pasty. So freaking good. I love the Cuban one. Yes. And the, yeah. So the reason I recommend Cornish pasty as well, it's because I think it's seasoned a lot more to an, how an American would like food. So a lot of Americans complaints food, including mine, the English cuisine is not as salted as American cuisine. Yeah. So I remember when I first got to England, one of the first things I ate was, they call them chips, call them french fries. Mm -hmm. And I was so excited because I was really hungry and I bite into it and it's just hot potato. It doesn't taste like anything because they didn't put salt in it. 
And I was like, where's the salt? And they're like, you want some salt? You know, you'll, you'll have to pay extra for this little packet. I was like, what? So yeah, when I recommend the Cornish pasty for everyone who's actually been to England, they might say, oh, you know, that's not as authentic. Well, I mean, you can get pretty close and at the same time enjoy it regarding if you have American taste buds. Like, <laughs> I, don't know if, I don't know if that sounds offensive, right? But we're just a lot, a lot more used to having more sodium in our meals. And I think the Cornish pasty does a really good job at striking that balance of authentic food from England mm-hmm. or Ireland, in this case, where they write it. Mm-hmm. United Kingdom <laughs> and our taste buds here. So yeah. That's a good point because I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about the seasoning because now that I'm like looking back at that memory of me eating the English breakfast, it did lack some sodium. So maybe that was it. But it just comes to show, right? Like you're so used to your own habits and uh-huh. you might try something new and you're like, oh, I don't like it. But if you give it more of a go and you're more open-minded, you might end up liking it. You never know. You also need to have an open mind when trying new foods. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. So when I got to England, I tried their burgers again, saltless, but by the time I was leaving, like I, I really enjoyed to like the burgers over there. They tasted really wholesome. And even, you know, I wouldn't even sprinkle that much salt into my chips and believe it or not, I'd feel a lot less bloated. I think that has Mm -hmm. a lot to do with, you know, how we are here. Every time I eat a burger here, like at McDonald's, I feel really bloated or whatever. Over there though, I could eat a lot and you never felt full in my opinion right so yeah okay this is kind of just like a before i dive into the italian food one a really unhealthy fact about me in england while i was living there i was living in a uh, because i was studying abroad but Mm -hmm. i ate in my dorm only like five times the other 60 plus i spent eating outdoors like straight up Mm, whatever i'd eat a nando's chicken and wings in england a huge recommendation if you're from here i'll, I'll get to that later nando's is all, so good yeah i ate all sorts of stuff and i lost five pounds and i was shocked like what is going on i have not eaten like i prepared my meal maybe six times ten times and that's exaggerating in my dorm the rest of the times i was out spending you know i was already broke college student getting even more broke and I lost five pounds, but I ate the world and it was awesome. So I guess once you do that in England over and over, you get used to their food. But yeah, that was just like a fun fact about me, I guess. Maybe not so fun to share, but. No, yeah, but you're weight. onto something. You're onto something because when I was in France, I was the same way. Yes. I love food. I, clearly, you can tell by this conversation. And yes. I'm like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to enjoy it. If I want to get this, you know, I'm going to get it. And I was shocked that by like the end of it, I really hadn't gained that much weight. I actually gained so much weight coming back to the United States and eating less, which was crazy. But I think it also has to do with like, you know, I feel like the cities are more pedestrian friendly abroad Uh so you can walk more. And I feel like that allowed me to burn off the calories I had consumed after a meal or something. (laughs) Yes. No. Yeah, I agree. I remember in Spain, I think I walked like 20 miles in one day, but, but even then, like I, before I left, I exercised a lot. Like I'd go running whatever, two and a half miles, no, five miles a day. And then I'd still have my workout. So to me, just walking, like wasn't working out, but I, I'm like 90% sure I ate more than I burned off walking. Like <laughs> The amount like McDonald's over there had, what are they called? They were like little bowls of ice cream. I don't remember. Sundays? No, they were like little bowls of 
they came in a little plastic container, McFlurries. I don't remember. Oh yeah, yeah, McFlurries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With but the Oreos like, yeah. or the M and M's. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. 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 But they came in little plastic containers. They were pretty a pretty good size, and they were like two pounds each, which is like three dollars and fifty cents. Mm-hmm. And that's another disclaimer. If you're going to England, spend in credit because once you spend in coin, you think you have so many and one coin is like $7 and you just blow through it. Anyway, yeah, I'd have one of those like every other day, not lying at all, not exaggerating. So I don't know how I lost weight eating so much, but you know, big guy. I'm telling you, it's because you were active, like, and you didn't even realize it, but like, it Maybe. is incredible how like walking <laughs> everywhere can really change your health in terms Uh of (laughs) just burning those calories off or something but you did hit on something of like not eating in your dorm as much you were eating outside and right now with quarantine I've been finding it difficult well now you can eat outside of course if they have like a patio Mm -hmm. restaurant but I for a while I wasn't really missing going out and, and eating because I knew that like well you know we're in a sticky situation right now. Like I can just order in. It's fine. No big deal. But now I'm really missing that experience of like dining in and like holding Mm -hmm. a menu and like telling my server what I want. Do you miss that as well right now? Like how have your habits with food or like dining out have changed since quarantine? Hmm. Let's see. So dining in, I do that maybe a couple times a month, Mm -hmm. but Honestly, in Arizona, they didn't close up as much. Yeah. So, yeah, it, honestly, I don't know of many places that closed at all. And if they did, it was back in like maybe May or June. So places have been pretty, pretty open, but I can see where elsewhere people have, have missed that experience. I did go to California like two weeks ago and everything mm-hmm. was closed over there. So, yeah, I mean, just in, oh, for the five days I was there. I missed getting food from outside or interacting with the people who serve you. Right. I mean, so much of this hospitality industry is about the service that you get. Uh, mm-hmm. The managers would probably tell you it's 99% of what the industry is about, you know, making the experience happen. So yes, I mean, I didn't, I haven't lived it for 10 months like other people have. And I'm, I feel for them, but in the five days that I didn't have as much interaction with this, the food service industry in California, I, I did miss it. And I think it does make a difference in the type of moods we have throughout our weeks because a you know, a different smile, a different gesture from whoever's serving you food. To me, it makes a difference. I personally feel that difference. So, and yes. it also comes to show that like humans, like you can even be an introvert, but you know, you ordering your meal at McDonald's and like seeing their smile, like those small and like human interactions, like do play a huge part in like how you feel throughout the day like I love having like a conversation with my like waiter or waitress about like what oh what's your favorite meal or what do you recommend which just triggered another question um I once went on a date with someone and they told me that it was rude to ask the waiter what their what they would recommend or what their favorite meal was what do you think about that statement is it rude to ask waiters what do they recommend on the menu? First of all, I don't know where that person grew up, but <laughs> second of all, you? no, I don't think it's rude at all. I actually ask strangers what their, what their take is. So I used to be a huge introvert. And for those who are introverts, they might say, oh, well, you never really stopped being one. No, I was the people who like, I couldn't say hello to my neighbors. Like I was that shy. And then my mom would get mad at me and, you know, bat me on the back of the head saying, be polite. 
I was that type of kid and I was until like I was 18 years old, honestly. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I kind of forced myself to be more of an extroverted nature, an ambervert, a lot of people might call it. But mm-hmm. no, I don't think it's rude at all. I love asking people for their opinions. And I always just like a tip for people who, what's it called, are thinking about how to ask. This might be helpful. I always ask them on a scale of one to 10 what they would rate the food, you know, I'm questioning about. So if I ask them, you know, what do you recommend? Like, what's your personal favorite? That's what I usually say. What do you personally like from this menu? Then they'll usually smile and be like, oh, this is my favorite meal. And then I'll ask them, well, on a scale of one to 10, what would you rate that compared to generic burger, basic meal, or most popular item on the menu here? And then there you can probably get it like a little, a little take on what it, the food or what the dish you're inquiring about might really taste like. Mm-hmm. And that does, I don't know if you know, yeah, you might know this as well, but their opinion has a really big influence, like when you ask someone on what you're about to get, for me at least, right? So no, I don't think it's rude at all. I've, I've done that wherever I've been. And I find that usually people are really excited to share their, their favorite meal with you, you know? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. I was like, wait, like, I would never get offended if someone asked me, like, what do I like? Like, how is that offensive? But, but yeah. no, I don't think it's rude. What I, what I have heard is that you don't tip in Europe. I don't know if you've heard about that one. I never tip. Oh my God. I heard we that are one literally you. like interconnected because that was going to be my next <laughs> question. There's a uh-huh. lot of people who, a lot of like top chefs here in America who don't believe in the tipping system. Um, you know, they believe more of the, the abroad way of not, not tipping. Uh, what's your take on that? I think that I liked the not to be thing, not because I didn't have to pay them, but usually, and this will, I think it'll go for any industry, but especially for the hospitality industry, just because a lot of what they do is focused literally on human to human interaction. When someone feels valued, and I'm going to take a book out of, you know, Gordon Ramsay's, <laughs> I love that guy, by the way, of how he <laughs> expresses things. He always says, or whenever he goes in, like in his part of Kitchen Nightmares, a lot of it is episodes on kitchen nightmares he always asks the servers or the employees what they're making and they usually say something really poor in return and one of the points he makes is that a well-funded staff will always have the incentive to work better for the restaurant Mm -hmm. and I see that reflected I saw that reflected when I went to Europe everyone was always multi-language which was awesome like they know each three languages over there and they always served you really professionally and they were always quick they were always direct and clear if you didn't understand anything. And, you know, none of that was based on a tip. I never tipped while I was there. I was told not to. And yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's how it was. And they were all extremely professional. Whereas here, I feel sometimes, you can tell when someone's being sincere, right? When they serve. And I think most servers here do it with a good mood. But I think it's also in the back of their mind that they're hoping that they get a, a good tip. I mean, that's just kind of how it works here. And I don't know if I agree with that 100% or not. But, you know, I always try to tip a little over, especially now during quarantine, I try to tip over the normal just because I know it's hard. So Mm -hmm. I don't think people should be betting their hedges on tips to make a a living. Whereas in Europe, I think they're, I don't know, you know, they might be having their own strikes for whatever, fight for 15 or even more for that. But I think the system of compensating someone for what they're worth, especially in the hospitality industry, goes a long way in helping the experience be better. Yeah, and I think a lot of times, sometimes of the mistakes that are done in the kitchen are then given to the waiter. And 
for so I worked at Mc, actually speaking of McDonald's that we we love it so much I actually worked at McDonald's and it was so shocking to see how like when I would take someone's order and it wasn't done right like this has ketchup on it they would blame me on it and I was like, dang, if this is how I feel, like just the cashier, like imagine someone who like literally gets the hot plate, puts it uh, on your table and then like hears about why is this cold or yeah. not hot enough or whatever. And it's like, sorry, like my job is really just to host you and to like provide this food, but I don't cook it. So, and then they get a bad tip for like mistakes that were done in the kitchen, which yes. I personally do not think it's fair. Um, exactly. So yeah. Yes. No, that reinforces that a thousand percent. And I mean, I guess we're going to keep using McDonald's as a base here because <laughs> I lived next to ASU last year, like mm-hmm. right there. And I would go to the McDonald's on my way to work sometimes. And I always had the breakfast and each time they forgot the syrup, which is like, if you're going to have pancakes, you would think that they include the syrup. But the cashier lady with me was like so nice. Like she's one of the nicest server people I've ever met. And my interactions with her have maybe been 15 second intervals, 10 times each. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I commented, I think I gave him three stars, but I made a point to say that, you know, I love it here because the hospitality service is amazing. Like in regard to customer interaction, she's really kind, but you forgot my syrup, which is kind of really <laughs> absolutely crucial to pancakes. So, yeah, I think I approached that in that direction just because, like you, maybe just my experience with food. And I've worked in the food industry as well. I was actually a server for a Mexican-American restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, and same, same difference, right? You know, they're, they complain, they complain to the person there on the yeah. front line. Yeah. And you kind of understand that where it's like, well, it's not their fault. And it never, unless you have a sour interaction with them, it never is. Everything to do with the food is never the server's fault, just for anyone listening, right? Just be considerate mm-hmm. of that next time you mm-hmm. interact with someone, you know, on a corner taco shop to the biggest restaurant in the world, whatever. But yeah, yeah <laughs> that, that's an unfair thing I think happens to servers. And I think most who have worked it before understand that. Now this leads me to another question, which is, would you rather have a crappy meal, an incredible service, or an incredible meal a crappy service no i would much rather have a crappy meal with incredible service like any day of the week i i personally believe food the experience with it is 80 percent to do with it so it didn't matter if it was i've had amazing meals before but that's all i remembered about it it was like oh yeah the food was good. Mm-hmm. like oh yeah the, and the service wasn't bad it wasn't negative it was adequate and the food was amazing. And that was it. Mm-hmm. And for example, one of my most memorable food experiences ever happens on the coast of Scotland. We were in Scotland. I had just gotten there and I ate with two of my friends. We had gone to this restaurant on this pier and it looked really cool. You know, you could see to the left, it, there was like a mini town type city. And then the rolling hills of Scotland went up. And then to your right, it was just an ocean of gray because it was really cloudy. And I sat down. I'd never been to this place, obviously. And I kind of looked around. I had no idea what to order. Couldn't decide. My two friends decided on something super, like, American generic. But I was like, no, I feel pretty adventurous today. And (laughs) I saw this lady behind me get served this, what's it called? This meal. And I had no idea what it was. It looked like popcorn chicken. And I was like, hey, what Mm -hmm. is that? 
because I'm not shy like that anymore. <laughs> I was like, hey, what is that? And she's like, oh, this is what's it called? Deep fried scallops. I was like, I have never had scallops, but I'm going to order it. And I did. And I had no interaction with the with the restaurant at all. Like maybe I said seven words to the waiter, got my food and it is amazing. And it was awesome food. And I that's one of my favorite meals to this day. And even though it was that memorable, you know, that's just mostly what I remember about the food being good. Now, I contrast that to an experience I had in Mexico where we were, it was in Cabo, near Cabo. We kind of went a little more, so Cabo's on the peninsula for those who don't know, really touristy, but we went off the beaten path just because my family is from Mexico so we can kind of hold our own without being too scared. Mm -hmm. And we went to this place down this valley. It looked kind of beat up, didn't look too fancy at all. And everything was really homemade, but everything, everything was like so super authentic Mexican and the service with which they, you could see everything like they pressed the flour for the tortillas right in front of you. You saw them cook it on like these freaking stone type ovens. Oh man, that's amazing. It was stove tops, but they were like made of stone. It was weird. And the food was amazing, but the way that they conversed with you, they served you, you know, they came like nicely dressed not super fancy but not like super torn down like authentic mexican and it was Mm -hmm. amazing like it was incredible and regarding experiences i think that was a better overall experience even though i liked the food better in scotland yeah and you bring up a very good point of uh like you saw them do it and that having that like hominess feel i guess really made that experience so much more memorable than having these incredible scallops, but mm-hmm. yet there was no really like interaction there um, to make Correct. it like completely fulfilling in yes. terms of like yes. a memory. Yes. Alrighty. Well, I think I am ready to ask you like our last question. All right. Which I don't ready. know if you're ready for it. Should I do like drum roll, drum roll please? Oh, wait, um, <laughs> tab, tab on that. Last play. What? I think we went off the path. The well, last place happened? I recommend just for like an authentic... What's it called? Italian food? I guess we're on the Calzone <laughs> side. Would be, it's called Casanova Bros. And I think I specifically had one pizza that tasted really similarly. Like, you're going to find pretty good pizza here in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of several good places. But one that tasted pretty authentic to me was like Casanova Bros, their Calzone. Or other people might know around here as well. Grimaldi's is just a really good pizza place in yeah. Arizona. So, yeah, just the last quip. Just if anyone was wondering for the Italian. <laughs> So I'm ready for the last question now. Because I'm sure they were waiting for that one. And they're like, dang it. That was the one I really wanted. And he didn't say it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said it now, folks. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, what is your favorite um, like food show? I actually asked this to a previous um, guest. And, and I feel like this has such a great potential to introduce our listeners to like other for them to become foodies if they aren't ones already. Okay, I have it. And it just came out, actually. And it is my man, GR, Gordon Ramsay. And it's called Uncharted by Gordon Ramsay. I don't know if you've ever seen that show. I haven't seen that one, but now I'm adding it to my list. Oh my goodness. No, 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 no. Okay, so I don't even watch TV that much. I wouldn't consider myself a person who watches TV that much. Uh. But if, if there is a show that defines the way I feel I see food through my own personal eyes, it is that show, hands down. This guy goes around the world, literally, Gordon Ramsay goes around the world 
to the most remote parts of the countries. He doesn't go to London and has a Nando's, you know. He goes to the mountains of Peru and maybe that's one of the episodes. There's maybe five homes in this little village, literally five homes. And he talks to them. He has his translator, obviously, but he goes to them. He asks them how they cook and he goes through the process with them. So he goes to the freaking mountains and chops down this weird looking plant and he has to carry it back like a mile to the village. I'm sure he drives his car, right? It's just for probably the show, but and then, you know, from these plants, they pull out these crickets or whatever, and they cook them, and he has them, and that's just, like, one episode. In the next episode, you see him in, like, the northern, in northern Canada, or the remote parts of Alaska, and they mm-hmm. go to these freaking frozen isles in Alaska, and they're like, oh, to make this tea, you have to climb up this 50-foot tree to get this herb, and he does it. He goes all the way up with someone who's an expert, and the whole show is just based off really authentic food and remote, like super remote places and the only way you could experience that is watching him which i think you know is kind of the point of television right but no yeah. like if there's a if there's a show that kind of encapsulates or covers everything i feel food is about it would be that show it's it you don't have to eat at a five-star restaurant you don't have to be a snobby person you know warding off those who love fast food just because you think you're better than they because you don't in between quotes, you know, pollute your body with that type of stuff. <laughs> no, like, if you think you eat healthy, you should go see how this guy, like, how he discovers food in certain cultures. It is amazing. And that is just one show I recommend highly to everyone. I, I've tried to keep up with everything they've come out with so far. And you get your fix for everything. If you're in your, you know, early 20s, it's about travel. It's about new cultures. It's about mm. how the new, that is this... If I were to put out, like, that's how I describe myself, right? Being in my, my 20s, saying, you know, <laughs> I loved traveling, but in 10 different countries, love food. This show, totally about that. Oh, man. Okay, I, I wrote it down. Is it on Hulu or Netflix? Yeah, or I what? think it is. I have Hulu. I think it's on Hulu. I have, like, three different. Oh, it might be. It says Disney Plus. I think it might be oh, on okay, both Hulu Plus. and Disney Plus. Okay, but, got it. Yeah, and then if you see, if you think of Gordon Ramsay as someone who just shouts at people and calls them idiots. Like you will never see that on this show. He is the most humble person. And if you, you know, you've seen what's called junior master chef, master chef junior, that interaction with kids, like his sweetness there, that's what he transmits to all the other cultures. He is so respectful. He is so open-minded to everything they share, they do. And Mm -hmm. he has freaking snakes heart. He has cooked crickets in Peru. He has whale blubber and a lot. It's amazing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That sounds really interesting. I don't know if I would try it. Here I am saying you need to be open-minded. I'm like, I don't know if I would go that far. <laughs> I definitely want to try all those things. I'm so open to any type of food. Have you eaten like crickets or anything like that? Yeah, I have. Uh, like, I'm not a big fan of, I'll probably get a lot of flack for that. No, let me, mm. let me, re- let me phrase this correctly. Okay. okay. Growing up, I have not liked Chinese fast food. Fast, like Chinese at fast food. So. Mm-hmm. I've tried it Canada. I've tried it like no just not not my dish and I've tried it at different places not so much and it mm-hmm. wasn't until I went to San Francisco and this it was like this world-renowned chef she has her little restaurant there in Chinatown mm-hmm. and that is some of the best food I've ever had in my life and all of it were like new things I'd never tried mm-hmm. so there were food I had I, it was like, to me you know it looked foreign because it was foreign first of all but second of all because they had it took on shapes that I'd never seen 
And I was like, screw it. You know, I'm here. It's supposed to be really good. And I had it. And I loved that Chinese food there. Like it is one of my favorite dishes. It was like a have all meal. No, it was amazing. So that's why I'm like, okay, so it's not that I don't like Chinese food. I just like it when it's prepared really specifically well. And what's it called? And, you know, I, I do like it and it was new and it was foreign. So it was something new I tried. It was a risk for me in between quotes. And I mm-hmm. loved it for me. And it took a risk to like Chinese food for me. So you're saying if the cricket is seasoned very well, you might enjoy it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, there we go. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, you it never apply to, Yeah, it doesn't just apply to fast food. It's how you prepare something is how you might end up enjoying it. Well, thank you so much, Josue. This was such a lovely conversation and such a great one to have to start off our Saturday. So I truly appreciate you taking time out of your day to chat with me and talk about what food means to you, which is such a great topic. I can talk about food like for the entire day. Um, I can too, and I had no idea. And I had no idea. Right? I know. Sometimes I feel like when I talk to guests and they're like, wait, you want the podcast to be how long? I'm like, oh, no, don't worry. We can talk about food for a while. (laughs) No, I agree. I did not know. And this just opens up a Pandora's box into, like, a person feels like they don't know that much about any certain topic, right? And while it's not necessary to know about something to speak about it, the experiences you have with that topic can definitely expand into something a lot more intriguing, inclusive, uh, interesting, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, I did not know I could go on for food about for like an hour. But <laughs> I, could, I feel like I'd go on a lot more, a lot longer now. And it just makes me question what other topics I could probably go on about. But no, yeah, I loved that we got to talk about food. And again, it didn't even focus that much on how it tasted, rather on the experiences revolving around it. Yeah, and I just hope that these t- um, type of conversations can spark the listeners. Um, mind and like allowed them to be like oh my god if they can talk about food for an hour and these amazing conversations that they had I wonder what I can talk about with my um with my friends or with my family about you know the relationship that they have with food or whatever so hopefully you guys enjoyed this conversation I know I did there's just one last parting message to everyone out there you Mm -hmm. just remember you don't have to go to foreign places to have amazing food experiences that's just don't don't think that that's the only way to have an awesome experience with food i have several here in the arizona valley which i hold you know dearly as well and i would put them on par with some of the best i've had so don't feel like you're missing out i guess it's inevitable i was gonna say that it really comes to show that you know we need to make the best of what we have sometimes we're like oh I wish I was doing this, but you don't realize the incredible little treasures that you can have in your town that are probably really affordable and like just Mm -hmm. as delicious as going somewhere else abroad. Exactly. Yeah. That's honestly reinforcing that point I was sharing. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Just don't, don't feel left out. You can make your food experiences, make them at home. I, I, I don't know if anyone's been to galaxy's edge before in Disneyland, but they have these things called the Ronto wraps and it's amazing. I think it's amazing. I loved it. It has like 25 different ingredients. And I know because I made them at home and I remember both times I've made them at home. Like it was an awesome, amazing experience. Yes. It was recreating something that I loved. And now I remember more making them for my family 
then, uh, you know, they're equal on par, right? Then having to have mm-hmm. to go to Disneyland all the way to the end of the park, go to Galaxy's Edge, wait, and no, it's like, just look up some recipes. You can make those awesome experiences at home at well. Trust me. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, that's definitely a good note to end on. Like, you have, even if you think you're a crappy cook, because for a while I thought I was such a crappy cook, but you have the potential of making these amazing uh, meals, you just have to practice, right? I feel like sometimes people think like, oh, you're such a good chef. You must have like had this natural talent. And to a certain degree, there are some people that these talents come easier, yeah, you know, but I feel like everyone has the capability of making a good meal. Don't you think? Yes. In the words of Remy and Gusto from Ratatouille, right? Anyone can cook. <laughs> and just because and then in the words of anton ego just because anyone can doesn't mean anyone should but that doesn't take away the magic that you can enjoy your own food and be proud of it even if you're 100 100 i agree with that <laughs> that is how i feel about my food